0: Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRN Weekly for Saturday, January 20th, 2024. And our top story today is the window for a significant stock market decline closing. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Jane King is a financial journalist, and she's joining us from the NASDAQ. Jane, good morning. Great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: Hi, Jeffrey. Great to be back.
0: It is. It was a short week this week. We had the, Martin, the celebration of Martin Luther King holiday, so short trading week. And I want to ask you, looking back on the week that was, is, there, is the window for a significant stock market decline closing?
1: Well, I, I think we're still where we were last year and following interest rates very closely. So you can see, like earlier this year, there was some, oh, maybe we're not going to cut interest rates in March. And then we got a couple of economic reports that were kind of, you know, you know, maybe indicated the Fed wasn't going to be cutting interest rates. And then yesterday, things turned around. We had a Fed official say that we may have interest rate cuts in the fall Um, which is later than some had thought, but Wall Street seemed okay with that. We had a big rally. Um, So I think we're still following the Fed. And then the next, the focus is, when do we start getting rate cuts? And still a lot of debate about that.
0: Yeah, a lot of myopia, obviously people in the market, uh, people in the know kind of teeing off on what Jerome Powell and what the Fed governors say, that's kind of the big conversation. But outside for Americana, uh, I think people are just really concerned about I can't speak for everybody but for myself, inflation. Jane, retail sales in December, though, exceeded expectations. i get the credit card hey, debt in a see. minute, but credit card debt in a minute, but your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, it was a good holiday season. I mean, we've seen several reports that government retail sales, National Retail Federation, uh, they've all said that we had a good holiday spending season. So, um, but yes, um, much of it was on credit cards. Much of it was on those buy now, pay later apps. And those bills are starting to come in now. So we'll see how, you know, these retail sales go through January, February, March. That will tell us a lot about the strength of the consumer.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's sustainable, uh, the sales expectation, something that I think we're going to be following. I think I know you look at this stuff regularly, but how are consumers feeling? Um, Lower inflation, I think gas prices have come down. Food prices, though, Jane. And and by the way, the gas prices could go up with what's going on in the Middle East. There have been attacks on shipping, all that kind of stuff that just drives up uh, the cost of uh, futures of oil. But um, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at what are my food costs? And and have they gone down?
1: Food costs, especially at restaurants, um, because restaurants also have labor and rent uh, that they have to pay for. So those food costs at restaurants are still really high. And rent and housing is really high. I mean, hardly anybody can afford to buy a home. Uh, rents have been up, I don't know, 17% over the past couple of years. So um, that housing, they call it um, shelter. They call it shelter in the government report. The shelter part of the inflation report is still very high. And that's discouraging. I mean, we need to, to build more homes. Um, people need to be able to afford a house.
0: Yeah, well, affordability isn't helped, uh, Jane. I'm going to call you Joan, but I'm really going to call you Jane. Uh, it, it's not helped by higher mortgage rates. It's really actually... Uh, de- depleted or depressed uh, home buying and home building sentiment.
1: Yes, uh, although they have gone down. So we got to almost 8%, maybe even crossed it in some studies last year. But now we're getting closer to like 6.1, 6.2. It's not three where we were a few years ago. Uh, we probably won't see that again for a while. But the 6% mortgage um, is not bad historically.
0: No, uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I remember double-digit uh, inflation, and I remember double-digit uh, mortgage prices, you know, people have interest rates, I'm sorry, and people have uh, definitely a myopia in the short run. Jane, I can't let you go. You're at the NASDAQ. I want to et- ask you about tech and tech stocks, Apple uh, releasing or at least notifying people that they're going to have this VR headset. Uh, seems pretty interesting, but at the same time, uh, there was a report from the World Health Organization that you could lose hearing if you're gaming. So how the tech sector do?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, it's $3,500. So it's not really a consumer product. It seems like it's more geared toward professionals, uh, whether it's education, uh, they say surgeries, it could be used you know, to, for surgery somehow maybe the third iteration of this headset might be something more geared to consumers. We're hearing from um, some of the big tech companies like Google, they're not going to build apps for it. So it just, it seems like it's more at that price and and at the high level of technology that it has, it's really geared to professionals at this point, but um, it's Apple's first foray into VR headsets. So we'll see how it goes for them.
0: Yeah. Doesn't it feel like the Peloton, the Peloton was all the rage for a certain subset of people most people couldn't afford, like myself, couldn't afford the Peloton bike, m- much less the subscription. I think it was like 40, 50 bucks a month. And so there was a yeah. saturation point on on that particular product.
1: Yeah. And Peloton has not had a good few years. So maybe they've reached their, you know, their limit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jane, always a pleasure seeing you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. And we look forward to having you back on the program next week. Okay. See you next week. Thanks, Jane. Great to see you. Thanks for sharing your perspective. And when we come back, we'll take a look at some of our best segments for the week. gonna want to stay tuned right here on BRN Weekly. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. It was another great week of great topics and great guests. We kicked off the week with a look at why you should have money conversations with your children early. Let's take a look.
2: We could not agree more. And that is why our mission is to teach through 12 students about personal finance and economics to give them the tools and knowledge so that they can make better decisions for themselves their families and their communities Uh, we do that in three ways we advocate it for it to be taught in the schools we work with teachers so that they are supported in the schools and we have great programs for high school students that said starting early is super important not every school has this available to them. We can talk more about that. and so the conversations that parents have with their 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 children are, are really are really important to get the ball rolling. Teaching kids about money is like and helping them to develop good habits around money is like teaching about any other fundamental life skill. So you start to learn to brush your teeth as soon as you have teeth. Uh, Little kids are given instruments to play or they can bang at the piano. If you want to teach your child a second language, people always say start early. It's the same with money because kids need to start hearing the words and hearing the language and start to get uh, an idea of what's happening Kids are also super curious about the world around them, so they're they're just little sponges. So that makes it really easy for parents to talk to their kids about things because they're just excited to learn. They get to be teenagers, and it's oh mom, oh dad, oh oh aunt, somebody. So so we think early is is really important just to start to get the basics, as you said. Um, we have a trading game that we do. Uh, sometimes with our board, it's great. It talks about bigger picture economic things, but I've also seen the game done in a very simple form with kindergartners Uh, and they trade flour and water and milk so that they all get the right ingredients to bake a loaf of bread. And the great thing about uh, teaching that game when the kids are little like that, is they start to get the words like barter and trades. They're learning about the economy and how money and goods move in the economy. They learn to count. They count the number of moves it takes to get all the ingredients. So, So in very simplified versions, you can have very productive conversations with your kids. I would also say that there are learning opportunities every day to talk to your children about money. So you can take your kids to the supermarket with you and explain to them why you're buying the store brand versus a different brand. When the kids are a little bit better at numbers, the unit pricing is a great math exercise. I love using math as the example. Uh, so there are all sorts of ways that you can start to bring that decision decision into play. Uh, somebody told me that their son liked to hang on the door door to the refrigerator, and she took him... To the, the store the appliance store to point out to him how expensive a refrigerator was because if he hung on the door and broke the handle it was gonna be very expensive to replace it um when i was a little kid my parents took me to the car local car dealership and i still have this memory all these years later and i was maybe six or seven of my father counting out the cash to buy the car now remember cars were a lot less expensive then and this was just a buick but um it really struck me. And the lesson my parents said was, we, we're getting a new car because we can afford to buy a new car. And so I learned the importance of having the money available to you before you purchase something and waiting to do that. So there are all sorts of transactions that, that people do every day where you can just talk to your kids about them.
0: Yeah. But and also, and, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Finish your thought. I apologize. So, so
2: there's. I'd like to just put a little caveat on that, which is that- um, we have a very diverse country. It's one of the great things about our country, but uh, not every culture likes to talk about money. Uh, and that's, that's okay. Uh, I come from a family of merchants. Uh, my grandfathers both had small businesses. My dad was a small business owner. My grandmothers worked with my grandfathers. So, so money was a part of the everyday conversation. The Wall Street Journal is discussed every day at our, at our table. So that was a very easy and natural piece of our family. It's not like that in every family. Different cultures uh, think that subject is taboo. So so I don't want parents to feel uncomfortable doing something they don't want to do. We have found that sometimes parents of similar cultures can talk to each other and bring their children into the conversation that makes it easier. Or it's another good reason why this should be taught in the schools, which is another reason we push it, because it helps to open up the dialogue with the parents and the children, if they find it challenging to do themselves, which we need to respect.
0: And we also discuss supporting those with chronic pain. Let's take a look.
3: So in our life, all of us have experienced pain. There is a process, is an injury or surgery or something, and we have pain. And that first part of the pain, which we call acute pain, has a very Predictable trajectory, the healing happens, the pain goes away, but a certain number of people, a good pop, I would say in millions, uh, they continue to suffer with the pain even after the normal recovery has happened, which we categorize as chronic pain. How many millions, as I said, millions of people in the United States are suffering from chronic pain uh, years after year after one thing has started the pain? Any particular age group? No, it does not. It can be seen in young kids to all the way to the older age population. Um, It can be more prominent in, of course, in certain age groups, but uh, I would not say it's like uh, very much prominent. This age group is more likely to have it than other. Uh, Almost all age groups can suffer from the chronic pain. They are both mental and psychological health and physical health are uh, kind of work in an interplay with each other. When somebody is having any kind of psychological stress that can make their physical health in bad shape, or if somebody is going through a tough time in, with regard to their physical health, it can definitely have impacts on their psychological and mental health. And they, in, in chronic pain especially, it is very common that they interact with each other they kind of feed on to each other to make things going making making it difficult for for somebody to deal with it to get appropriate treatments and also get back to their life so yes there is a very big interaction between mental health and chronic pain the most important aspect for us for the families and for the for the people who are suffering from chronic pain is try try to understand what is going on how it is if affecting their day-to-day life, how it is affecting their functioning, and that can help relieve some of the, the bitterness, we would say, are suffering from it. Uh, the first step, as, as we mentioned in our blog, is to understand what is going on, What is what are they going through in terms of their physical pain, in terms of their day-to-day functioning, in terms of their relation with other people and their, their neighbors, their families and everything that is important to understand. And that is how we can come in to support the, uh, the people and help them uh, guide to the recovery. Understanding what is causing pain, how it is affecting their psychological health is important in this whole uh, phenomenon how we can do that being sportive being encouraging them to do things that can help can lead to the recovery there is a very fine line between being supportive sportive and being uh, kind of like you know enabling what we call pain behaviors which ask some people like oh please don't move it will hurt No, that is not the right way to to get somebody better. It it is more encouraging them to engage in their day-to-day life, engaging them in their physical activity, engaging them in their hobbies, which can have positive impact on their mental and psychological well-being. And that is something that will lead us back to a person who is far more functioning, despite their ongoing pain, than not. And
0: that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives? Then check out our website. We're backing in tomorrow with another edition of BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by the Legal Eagles And Oliver Rennick of the Schwab Network. So we'll see you there. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co create content around any topic